You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. I'm so glad you asked me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. And I'm so glad that Jesus Christ is alive and well. Well, we need to thank the Lord today for this weather. Isn't this wonderful? Uh, All week long, they were saying it was going to rain and storm. And then they kind of started pushing it back. And uh, God's given us a beautiful day. I would dare say for most of us, this will be the most memorable Easter that we have ever experienced. How many of you would say this is probably your most memorable Yeah, a few of you? Okay. Well, I will say, yes, this is my most memorable, but I have a close second. When uh, my dad and mom and our family, when we moved to Illinois, uh, well, we lived in Rockford, Illinois, we moved to Geneseo, Illinois, and uh, our first Easter, there was a a deacon in the church, and uh, a good man, and he said, you know, Pastor, he said, how awesome would it be to have an Easter sunrise service? And my dad had not pastored before. He'd been in the ministry for about 20 years. But he said, well, hey, let's try it. That sounds exciting. And so we had it set for a hillside on the edge of town there in Geneseo, Illinois. It's called Richmond Hill. And there was a pavilion. And you kind of see where the sun would come up. And it 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 had the makings of a beautiful service. Well, we got there. We got up that morning. And as we were driving to the spot, it started to snow. And I'm not talking about little pretty flurries. I mean, it was snowing hard and it was snowing sideways. We got to that pavilion. We had to wipe off the snow from all the tables and chairs under the pavilion. It was thick. It was cold. Um, Hardly anybody came. The deacon who had the idea, he didn't come. And uh, we we were there thinking, what in the world are we doing? And I'll never forget, my dad and I, we were singing, I think it was Because He Lives or something, and I was trying not to let my teeth chatter because it was so cold and it was so windy, and uh, it was uh, not an enjoyable service, but it was memorable. Now we look back and uh, we laugh about it and we joke about it, but if you ever wonder why we have not had a sunrise service here yet in six years that I've been here, this is our seventh Easter Uh, Now you know why. I've got bad memories of sunrise service and snow. But I'm so thankful that we get to be here. While we're here for the drive-in service, there are many who are watching the service uh, on the Facebook and on our website. There are many tuning into the radio who are not uh, with us here this morning. But I'm so thankful that you're here. Uh, This does my heart so good just to get to be together with God's people. And I love you, and my wife and I, we are so thankful for you. Um, I I know this sounds crazy, but I believe with all my heart, I believe we're going to come through this, and I believe our church is going to be stronger than it's ever been. I think our church is going to be more fired up, and I think we're going to see God do some things that we never could have imagined because of this time. I believe it's a time of testing. And I believe God is increasing our faith, and I believe that God is strengthening us. And I cannot wait to see what God has in store for Victory Baptist Church and to see what God has in store for our uh, community and for our state and for our nation and to get the gospel around the world. 
If you have your Bibles there, I'd like for you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. We often refer to this as the resurrection chapter, and it's a powerful, powerful passage of Scripture. It'd be a good passage for you to read later on, and there's so many verses I won't have time to cover. But the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. You say, what's the gospel? Well, we see in verse number 3, the gospel is that Jesus died and that he was buried and that he rose again. That's what we preach. That's what we share. We share the gospel. It's the good news. It's the fact that Jesus not only died on a cross, not only was he buried in a tomb, but Jesus Christ arose from the dead. And hallelujah, that we can celebrate on Easter Sunday, a risen Savior. It says in verse number 5, And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once. The Apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth and says, If you have any doubt that Jesus is alive, I've got news for you. There were people, there were eyewitnesses that saw him. And at one time, there were 500 people gathered and they saw Jesus and he was alive. Verse 7, after that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me. The apostle Paul said, I wasn't there when Jesus was crucified. I wasn't there when he rose again. But he said, I saw him on the road to Damascus. The apostle Paul, he saw Jesus and he spoke with Jesus and Jesus spoke with him. And Paul said, you don't have to convince me. You don't have to twist my arm. I know he's alive. I've talked to him. I've seen him. I know his presence. We get to verse number 14 and the Bible tells us that if Christ be not risen, that's a scary thought. That's a very sobering thought. If Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain and your faith is also vain. Friend, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then what I'm doing right now, it's foolish. It's, it's empty. It's, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. It's a waste of resources if Jesus is not risen. Our preaching is vain, but also our faith is vain if Jesus is not risen. Verse 17, it says, If Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and ye are yet in your sins. You see, we're all sinners. And because of our sin, there's a penalty that we must pay. And the Bible tells us that Jesus paid the penalty. But the fact that Jesus died on a cross was not enough, although that was the price that was paid. But Jesus, the fact that he died on a cross, he paid the price for our sin. But then how can we have eternal life? How can we have everlasting life? That only comes because Jesus conquered death and he conquered hell and he conquered the grave and he rose again. Verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Can I tell you, I love life. I love serving God. I love getting to do what we do. But if this were the only hope we had, just to get together and talk about some stories or talk about some ideas, then we're wasting our time and we are miserable. But I'm glad that we're not wasting our time. I'm glad that what we're doing has purpose and meaning. And it's all because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Verse number 51, the Bible says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. 
because Jesus rose again, we have the promise and the hope of the resurrection. It says in verse 53, this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death. Where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Verse 57, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 58 will be our text verse. Therefore, the apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth, and he says, therefore, because of what we have just read, because of what we know, because of the resurrection, uh, in, in light of the fact that Jesus rose again, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. God, I pray that you'd help us in these next few moments. I pray you'd speak to us. I pray you'd challenge us, encourage us. I pray for those who are listening here in our parking lot that you would uh, speak to their hearts. I pray for those who are not here but those listening by way of radio. We thank you for this ministry, WVFV 95.9 FM. Thank you for how you've used it already, and thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you for those who are at home who are watching by way of the live stream. I pray you'd speak to them. Lord, I pray that the Word of God would go forth with power and with clarity, and may each and every one of us, may we uh, take inventory in our own heart and in our own life, and may we be challenged and may we be helped. And may we be encouraged by the word of God this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Several hundred years before the birth of Christ, the Greek philosopher named Socrates was on his deathbed. Socrates was dying after being poisoned. He was considered one of the wisest teachers that this world had ever known. As he was dying... One of his friends asked him, thinking, of course, that he would know, being such a wise man. They asked him, they said, Socrates, shall we live again? His response on his deathbed, knowing that he had moments to live, his response was, I hope so, but no man can know for sure. Well, friend, I've got news for you. You don't have to hope so, and you don't have to guess, and you don't have to wonder because Jesus said in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. I'm thankful that we know Jesus is alive. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that. But then we get to verse number 58, and we find that there is a response that every one of us ought to have to the resurrection. You know, you see uh, everywhere you go, you see signs in uh, stores and you see emails uh, and you see uh, um, uh, announcements on websites. But everyone is responding now to COVID-19 and a company will write and say, this is our response to this virus. And by the way, I think that's a good thing. I think we need to respond. I think we need to have something that we are doing because of that. But I've got news for you this morning. Far more important and far more crucial and far more significant than COVID-19 is an event that took place 2,000 years ago 
when Jesus Christ conquered death. And may I say this morning that you and I must have a response. We must have something that we do because of the resurrection. There must be a response to the greatest event that mankind has ever known. My question to you this morning, what are you going to do about the resurrection? What will you do with Jesus? I find in verse number 58, the Apostle Paul writes and says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, this challenge, this command is written to Christians. He said, this is written to my brothers and sisters in Christ. This is written to the family of God. Friend, if you're here this morning and you're not a part of the family of God, you've never been saved, you've never been born again, I've got news for you. That is what you must do. That is your response today. You must say yes to Jesus. You must say yes to the gospel. Ye must be born again. But Paul writes there to the church at Corinth, and he says, my beloved brethren, can I tell you, we're not in this thing alone. It was never God's plan for you to get saved and for you to have to go through life on your own by yourself. It was God's plan that you and I be a part of a body of believers. It was God's plan that we be a part of the family of God. It was God's plan that we love one another. I like what Paul said. Therefore, my beloved brethren, I hope today, I hope you love one another. I hope you love God's people. I hope you love your church. I hope you've been missing church. I hope it's bothered you. I hope it's been a frustration to you. I don't want you to be frustrated, but I hope you have a love for the church. And I hope you cannot wait to get back in church. I've been telling a few people the secret, but I think the secret is out. You better watch out our first service back. After the times of live stream and times of drive-in, and I love it. I'm thankful for it. But when we get back in church, I want to warn you, that first service is probably going to last about three hours. We're going to sing every song in the book. We'll probably have a testimony time. I'll preach for an hour and a half, and then we'll uh, let you go, get a drink of water, and then start round two. I cannot wait to get back in church. But can I tell you, you ought to love the brethren. You ought to love the family of God. It's not God's intention for you to be on your own. There are times where you may have to stand alone. I think about Daniel who had to stand alone in Daniel chapter 6. I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who had to stand while everyone else bowed to Baal. But can I tell you, we have the church, we have the family of God, and we are blessed to have our brethren. But Paul said, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. The challenge that Paul gives, he says, because of the resurrection, because Jesus is alive, because Jesus conquered death, and because Jesus conquered the grave, we must be steadfast. That word steadfast, it means to be settled. It means to be faithful. And can I tell you, Jesus was faithful for you. Jesus was faithful for me. Jesus was faithful to go to the cross, and he was faithful uh, to suffer. He was faithful to have the nails placed in his hands and his feet. He was faithful to have the crown of thorns placed upon his head. He was beaten, but he didn't quit. He went to Calvary, and he suffered, and he bled and died because he loves you and he loves me. May we be faithful to him. May we be faithful to our spouses. May we be faithful to our children. May we be faithful to our church. May we be faithful to God and to his word. May we be faithful to the work of God. May we be faithful to Jesus in these days. 
A preacher many years ago, I heard him say it. He said, Christianity is not measured in days. Christianity is not measured in weeks or months or even years. But Christianity is measured in decades. And I want to challenge you as we go through this time. I hope we'll look back in five years and ten years and 15 and 20 and 30 and 40 years, I hope we'll look back and I hope we'll still be faithful to God. I hope we'll still as a church family be able to talk about these days with one another and say, aren't we glad we're still faithful? Aren't we glad we're still serving God? Aren't we, aren't we thankful we didn't quit during those times? Number one, we're a part of the family. We've got one another. Number two, the response is to be faithful. But number three, I want to challenge you this morning to be firm. Verse 58 says, be steadfast, unmovable. That word unmovable, it means to be firmly persistent, not to be moved from its place. Can I tell you, we need Christians today more than ever that will be solid. We need Christians that will be grounded. We need Christians that will be anchored. We have so many people that are carried about by every wind of doctrine. We've got so many people that get upset about the, the smallest things, the craziest things. But we need some Christians with God's help and with God's power that will say, I don't care what happens. I don't care what people say. I don't care what people think. I don't care what people do. But by the grace of God, I'm going to stay firm and I'm going to stay grounded and I'm going to stay anchored in the word of God. I don't care what they say on TV. I don't care what they say on the news. I don't care what they say at the workplace. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We are anchored in the word of God. I want to encourage you to be firm. Number one, we've got the family of God. Number two, be faithful. Number three, be firm. But number four, be fruitful. The Bible says we are to be always abounding in the work of the Lord. That word fruitful has the idea to abound to exceed, uh, to increase, to grow. And as God's people, now is not the time to do less for God. Now is the time to do more. Now is not the time to pray less. It's time to pray more. It's not time to get away from the Bible. It's time to get in the Bible more now than we've ever been in the Word of God. May I tell you, we need some Christians that will be always abounding in the work of the Lord. Be fruitful. Some Christians are looking for a way out. But I want to tell you, I want to find a way to get in. And I want to find a way to stay in. And I want to find a way to keep on serving God. Why are some Christians not fruitful? John 15 answers that question. The Bible tells us that we cannot bring forth fruit in our own power. We cannot bring forth fruit in our own strength. Jesus told his disciples, without me, ye can do nothing. And friend, I want to tell you, if maybe you feel like you've not been fruitful in your Christian life, maybe you feel like you're not seeing God bless and you're not seeing God work like he wants to do, I want to remind you, maybe it's because we're doing things on our own. Maybe it's because we're trying to do it in our own ability, in our own intellect, in our own experience. I want to challenge you this morning. Let's get a hold of Jesus. Let's get back to God. Let's get back on our knees. Let's get back in the Bible. Let's be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit of God so that we can be fruitful. The Bible says always abounding in the work of the Lord. And there's a work for all of us to do. You say, what's the work? The work is the Great Commission. 
Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. There's a job. There's a task. There is a great commission that has been given to every one of us. May God help us during these times to be fruitful and abounding always in the work of the Lord. Lastly, I see the challenge. And our response to the challenge is all based upon one fact. And that fact is found in verse number 58 where Paul said, For as much as ye know. He said, As much as you are assured, as much as you have confidence that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I am so thankful to stand here this morning and to tell you on the authority of God's word that there's not one of us that's serving God that is wasting our time. You're not wasting your energy. You're not wasting your life. You're not wasting your Sunday morning. You're not wasting uh, your, uh, your uh, career. You're not wasting your opportunity. You're not wasting anything if you're serving God because your labor is not in vain in the Lord. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you, there are people who are wasting their life. There are people that are living their life all for themselves and all for pleasure and all for the temporal. But the Bible tells us that all that someday is going to burn up. But what we're living for is that which is eternal. What we're living for is that which will never fade away. We're living for a treasure that is far beyond the blue, a treasure that is safe and secure in heaven. I want to remind you this morning, the fact is, it's still worth it to serve God. It's still worth it to read the Bible. It's still worth it to pray. It's still worth it to give. It's still worth it to be a witness. It's still worth it to be a testimony. It's still worth it to stay faithful and to stay firm and to be fruitful. And because of the resurrection, your labor, and my labor, is not in vain in the Lord. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.